I am Eduardo Medina, Editor-in-Chief of the Auburn Plainsman. Today, I'm at home, as is my guest, Dr. Stuba Solinska. She studied viral RNA for 15 years and is an expert in virology. She's also an assistant professor in the Department of Biological Sciences at Auburn University. Today, she's going to tell us what we need to know about COVID-19. That's all coming up. We'll be right back with Dr. Stuba Solinska. Hey, this is Jack West, Managing Editor of the Auburn Plainsman. I just want to remind everyone that if you'd like to support Suite 1111 and the newsroom that creates it, you can log on to theplainsman.com and click on the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. You'll be supporting over 125 years of local, editorially independent journalism right here in Auburn. Once again, that's theplainsman.com and click on the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. Thank you so much in advance, and now back to the show. Hey, so I'm here with Dr. Stuba Solinska. Uh, Hello. He is a professor in the Department of Biological Sciences, assistant professor. Uh, Hello. She studies yes. viral RNA. Uh, she's been studying for 15 years. She's an expert in virology. And Dr. Stuba Solinska, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm happy and honored to be here and answer any of your questions. Perfect. So I wonder if we can start with... COVID-19 itself, and I wonder if you can explain why it is such a dangerous disease. Well, uh, first of all, it's caused by the virus that is has been so far unknown to a humankind. And as such, we don't have any antiviral therapy or uh, vaccines against it. So that's the scary part of it. On top of that, it is a virus that behaves a little bit differently than the first SARS outbreak that we observed in 2003 and the subsequent uh, infections uh, that uh, happened in 2012 with MERS. So that fact that we are dealing with something that has we have not seen before and we don't have antivirals or vaccines is what makes it scary. Um, and of course, you know, media add to that Global panic, which is uh, obviously not the best thing to 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 basically succumb to, but um, when it comes to SARS-CoV-2 that causes COVID-19, which is a disease, um, this this particular disease um, that we observe, it's particularly dangerous for a specific age group, um, people over the age of 65 with underlying uh, conditions, heart conditions, or upper respiratory conditions, or um, diabetes, are particularly prone to complications. That doesn't mean that younger people cannot develop the disease or cannot suffer from serious consequences. They can, and that has been observed, but in less cases than what uh, have been seen uh, for older group or people who have been sick. And the the danger of that virus is also that, well, it is uh, now pandemic, which means it's global, is spread from starting from Wuhan, China, to other countries in Europe, and now, unfortunately, is in the United States. And um, we are dealing with certain limitations when it comes to testing, Tests are not as widely available as one would hope for. 
and also um, our health care uh, system has some limitations uh, when it comes to supporting people with health, which has, you know, COVID-19 severe symptoms. So that's the scary part about this virus at this point. Right. So I think right now we're, we're talking on Friday, uh, March 20th, I think is what it is. There's mm-hmm. 10,000 confirmed cases in the world. 81 of those are in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think last time I checked, 10 of those are in Lee County. That's correct. Uh, and that will change by the time this goes out, I assume. You know, how long are those numbers going to keep increasing? Is it hard? Uh, to that is, you know, difficult to predict. But as far as I'm convinced, or if you ask my opinion, they will increase. They're not going to shrink. Uh, mainly because what I've seen, what I've observed is that the people are not serious about the danger of uh, of that virus and of the spread. Um, we should practice social distancing, and unfortunately, if you know, we we don't do that. Not enough. Um, yeah. We, you know, there are still people going to work. There are still people who interact with other people just because it's difficult to break the habit of just socialization. Um, and you know, in other countries, obviously, the government took really, really hard, harsh efforts to limit that. But we are in the United States. This country is all about freedom. We have a choice. And well, unfortunately, that um, might affect how vastly this virus will spread. I don't expect these numbers to drop anytime soon. Uh, what is more, I believe that the disease and virus will last for quite a bit um, until the population will not develop immunity or until the vaccine is not available. Uh, what does mean population developing immunity? Um, there is a certain group of human population that does not develop strong symptoms. These are young kids. And they will become a reservoir of that virus uh, because there is not enough selective pressure from their immune system to wipe out the virus. What will stay, the virus will stay with the human population for a year, maybe even three, um, and it will cause diseases um, until we have a vaccine. So I predict that there will be more people infected in Alabama or in the United States. Um, and um, there is a hope, uh, though I don't know how well it is supported by scientific data, that warmer temperatures might limit the spread of the virus. Uh, but again, that's something we expect or we predict could happen because that's what happens for influenza. This virus is different. Um, it, you know, it is, it spreads through also social complex, uh, contact through droplets. Um, it is uh, it has been shown to be spread person to person. Um, and, you know, on inanimate objects, we, we don't really know what higher temperatures will do. Also, we still observe, observe cases of that virus infections in warm countries like Philippines or Hawaii or Africa. And you can't go any warmer than that. So, again... It's hard to say what will happen in the next few months. Right. I wonder if you can explain how or why why social distancing is the best thing we can do right now and the science behind that. 
Right. Um, it is. There has been some models already, scientific models showing how efficiently social distancing will limit the spread of the virus from one person to another person, and this is what we actually should strive for. Uh, in general, you might be infected with the virus for you know sometimes five, sometimes fourteen days without significant symptoms like increased body temperature or coughing or sneezing and all the other, you know, difficulties breathing. So for 5 to 14 days, you can walk around around a community and share that virus with other people, oftentimes immunocompromised people, sick people, older people, um, all that. These older people will also be in touch with another group of people. So that that just shows how exponential the growth of infection potentially can be if we do nothing with the social distancing. Um, if you practice social distancing, however, you just you limit contact you have uh, and your exposure to somebody who could, can potentially be infected. So with time, you know, the virus... Let's say there is one person that is infected. That person decides to stay home and practice social distancing. The virus, the, the, the disease develops. Uh, hopefully that person goes through the disease, develops immunity, uh, gets rid of symptoms, and basically the virus itself is confined to that one person. There is no spread. There is no passing on uh, the virus from one person to another person because this one particular person decided to stay home. And if hundreds and thousands of people who will be unfortunate to catch the virus will decide to stay home, then with time, after a month or two, we might see less and less cases. And that's what we see in China right now. According to the reports that we have access to, uh, there rather draconic but perhaps maybe necessary approach to social distancing and limiting uh, contact between humans led to a drastic drop in uh, cases of COVID-19. I'm curious, when you were speaking with your colleagues about this virus, you know, rewind to, let's say, January, do you think the United States and Alabama and our city and just, did we drop the ball and jump on this too late? Were y'all already talking about this, you know, virologists? Were y'all speaking about this way ahead of time? We as a humanity uh, failed because, in general, the SARS virus has been known since 2003. So, and, and at that time, Chinese scientists developed the first vaccine. That vaccine was tested in cell cultures. I don't think even that it went through animal experiment because there was not enough interest of, you know, biopharma companies to invest money in that research. So for 17 years, knowing that there is a virus that, you know, had an outbreak in 2003 and had an outbreak, another MERS in 2012, we did absolutely nothing. Um, sure, people study coronaviruses. People probably develop different uh, vaccine or proposals of these vaccines, but we still... You know, we are limited by amount of money that is spent for research. Therefore, we are limited about uh, with things that we can study. When it comes to reaction that happened in the United States, not even Alabama, in the United States in general, uh, yes, our reaction was way too slow. Uh, we knew what was happening in China, and we were hoping that what would happen is exactly what happened in SARS in 2003. That will stop in China, but it didn't. 
and went out because our world in 2003 was completely different than what we see now in 2020. The globalization and everything spread it so fast, so efficiently that basically it caught us off guard. After seeing what happened in China, after seeing what happened in Italy, we should immediately react. We should close down everything. But wait, you know, what we see in uh, bars and pubs has been what closed yesterday. That's late. That's way too late. But it it is not just in regards to Alabama. It's the entire United States. Yeah, and we spoke um, about uh, particularly Sky Bar when they were open. Right. And by the time we were done talking, the owner had just texted me that um, that they had decided to close because the other bars were closing as well. Right. So they were open on Tuesday, which was uh, St. Patrick's Day. Right. And I think when we spoke then, you and I, you expressed a lot of anger, and uh, you were you you definitely expressed fear of what the repercussions might be from from absolutely from absolutely action, right? absolutely. It it's it was very unfortunate that uh, this that particular place and or any other places has been open for such a long time uh, to support you know gathering of larger group of people. Uh, it, it, I think we might suffer consequences of that gathering in a week or so. At uh, this point, again, very early uh, to say if that costs anything. I've seen actually today um, our daughter's babysitter showed me uh, actually a YouTube video of how that temperature screen was performed. And, you know, to say the least, it was just ridiculous. It, even that part was not performed correctly. So it, it just, uh, I'm speechless when it comes to um, just um, careless of that particular um, event. It shouldn't happen. It shouldn't gather that many people. It exposed all these young people to a potential threat and also it exposed their families and any immediate uh, contact that they will come into. Um, right. It's just not, not good, not acceptable. So how has it been going for you? You know, you're, you're an assistant professor at Auburn teaching classes. How has that been going? Oh, that's been going surprisingly well. Uh, I had my first uh, online class on Tuesday of this week. And uh, I normally gather about 74 students. I gather 69 of them. Um, and we had long conversation. Well, first we had a typical lecture. And then my students stayed, I think, 30 minutes afterwards, and I was answering their questions to related to current situation and to uh, anything that they wanted to address. Uh, on Thursday, we had an exam. It was an online exam. My exams are already online, but, be, but they were normally performed in a classroom setup. So this time was a little bit different. Um, I had to take some... Um, some uh, steps to make sure that the exam is taken properly, uh, and that definitely affected the uh, the basically the the outcomes of that exam. So I I saw a lot of frustrations from my students that you know right. they they have technical issues or you know there are couples uh, students that well they have uh, their parents they have babies. So they have to arrange 
some sort of, we had arranged a solution to their situation. They couldn't take the exam at that particular time because they have a child and they have to take care of a child. So it is definitely, a, these are definitely challenging times for everybody. I am a parent myself. So again, me Zooming uh, during, you know, my lectures or exams or Zooming for faculty meetings. That means somebody needs to take care of my child who doesn't go to school. So it's it's sort of mm-hmm. similar challenges, but that also allows me to, uh, you know, have a sympathy and understand challenges that they're facing because I'm challenging this. Uh, I'm facing exact same challenges. Right. I wonder if we can kind of end off on your overall thoughts in the matter, but I'll, I'll phrase the question this way. There are undoubtedly still people who uh, do not see, the, see this as a big threat. And mm-hmm. at the same time, I see people who are saying that, you know, it's getting overblown on the news. Mm-hmm. Doctors are overblowing it. It'll be fine. It'll pass. Can you walk me through what should be attitude be towards this whole situation? I agree. What you're saying is basically two types of attitude. Either, you know, just the attitude of a typical young person, hey, I'm immortal, nothing can touch me, versus an attitude of of somebody who, you know, whether it's young or older, but is afraid and panicking about the virus. I think we have to stay informed and we have to stay cautious. We shouldn't panic. We shouldn't run to the stores and buy, you know, all the toilet paper or all the eggs because there's still a supply of things and maybe, you know, there will be limitations when it comes to access to these things. But we, you know, we as a country and we as a society will manage it. It's not like we'll die because of lack of something. Uh, We'll learn to live just a different reality. I think that panic is the last thing we should do, but also we shouldn't be just ignoring the fact that this virus is serious. If it's not serious for you and I, it will be serious for um, somebody who can uh, get in touch with you and I and, and, and get infected through us. I would not like to take that responsibility on myself. So, yeah, sure, you might be fine. Somebody else might be fine. But what if... You you know bring the disease bring the virus to your grandparents um, who are you know older their immune system is not as effectively working. What if you bring it to a child who is going through chemotherapy? I mean you can't take responsibility for all of that. So right. we have to change the way we're thinking. It's not me 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 what I want what I need, but more how I or my steps can affect this global, global huge issue. Uh, and, you know, every individual who will actually, you know, practice, you know, good hygiene, hand hygiene and washing and limiting the, the exposure to other people that potentially could be infected. If we think this way and think that, hey, we are doing this for the better good of everybody, that sort of approach will result in, in hopefully a quicker eradication limitation of that uh, infection. Well, Dr. Stuba Selinska, I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. I think what we need now is uh, accurate information, and you have always provided that, so I appreciate that. Thank uh, you for having me. Thank you for talking with me. I'm more than happy to inform at any time. Thank you so much. Well, best of luck with your classes and at home with your kids. Thank you. And uh, I'll see you around. Thank you. 
My thanks to Dr. Stuba Selinska for being with us today. And a huge, huge thank you to Grayson Moyer, who continues to edit the show remotely and puts up with my, uh, my horrible audio, uh, which is really, at this point, just my phone. Uh, and thank you for listening. Please stay home. Please be safe. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks.